Hallelujah. Welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study. The boss is away so we can play. <laughs> and there's something like that. When the boss is away, we could play, you know, you know. If everybody don't say what we did tonight, then we could just have a good time, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, my father. How many children of God am I teaching tonight? See, that's another thing you have to understand. Everybody thinks they're a child of God. I mean, you ask somebody on the street and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God. They had no idea what they're talking about. You, 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 you're born, you know, he gave you life. But there comes a time when you have to accept him to come and quicken your spirit. And, and that can only happen by you asking him to come and quicken your spirit because you're born, but you're only body and soul, but you're not spirit is, is not alive yet. And at some point, you know, when you understand, you come up to the front and ask God to, to make your spirit alive. That's what it says by getting saved. You know, people use the word. I used to, as a Catholic, I heard the word saved so many times, and I, I had no idea what they were talking about, you know. Saved from what, you know? Uh, until I learned that born again, you know, that you, you actually become born again. And that's when you become a real child of God. And that's when you, you, have the, you have the right to ask him for anything. He'll do it because he's your father. Thank you, Jesus. You're born again. If you're not born again tonight, before you leave, you can become a born-again believer, which means your spirit quickens. And from that day on, you start understanding the Word. Most people don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. You know, it's boring to them. But when, you have the, when, when, you're a, a, when your spirit is quickened and become alive, it's not boring anymore because it makes sense, you know. And you get excited, you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Ooh. He cleanses you. Born again means you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So if you're a true son and daughter of God, then it's God's, it's God's desire for you to be successful. I'm teaching on the subject success because I've heard it so many people in the last month, you know, wanting to be successful. And I, and I hear the stories like, I'm, I, I believe I'm going to start this business here or I'm going to start this business there or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, just it's kind of been hitting my spirit, but, you know, there's nothing you can, you know, I what, you know, I, I mean, there's no God in it. I going to do this, you know. And that's why a lot of businesses fail. A lot of businesses don't even get started because the way they got it started, you know. So I'm going to teach a little bit about success. On Wednesday nights, you know, I just, you know, I might not preach a jumping around message, you know, or you can roll on the floor message, but, but it's going to be practical. And I believe you, if you pay close attention, you'll get some things. Yeah? And, and no matter what we teach, when, when the Holy Spirit's in the building, people get healed, set free, delivered, no matter what the subject was. You don't have to teach on healing, but healing takes place. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You just need to understand and know. Say, I need to know and understand the Word of God. That's it. So the Word of God teaches us that the most successful person is not the one with the most toys. A lot of people see the guy with, you know, the biggest cars, the nicest this and all that. That's not the most successful person. We kind of get, that's what we get messed up in the world. We, live, we see the world the way they live, and we think they're so successful because they got a big house or motorcycles, cars, whatever, you know. And that's not the most successful person. But let me tell you who the most successful person is. The one who survives hard times and builds again. That is. So let me take a slight turn here. I read in the Bible that when God needs something done, he always gives it to one person to do it. A Moses, a Peter, a Paul, a Mary, a David, a Gideon. He always chooses one person in, in, in each era to do something. He don't need hundreds of people, but he, but he assigns one person. One person committed to a goal is all God needs to change the world. <laughs> so you could be a world changer. Just, just come in hungry and talk to him and, and tell him, use me, Lord. Always, always involve him in your plans. Man, one person committed to a goal is all God needs to change the world. Who can elaborate on what I just said? Who, who can tell me what Moses did? Who can tell me what David did? Who can, you know? Anybody? You know, this is a... You know, okay, well, come here. Now, don't everybody tell me about Moses. This is Moses. I'd mentioned several other names. Okay. Uh, uh, Moses, he wrote the Ten Commandments. He was the one that saw the burning bush. Oh, sorry, Jesus. The uh, Moses, um, he was like, he had a speech problem. Like, he didn't know how to speak in front of people. But God still used him. And he's like, look, I'm not worried about what the problem is. Like, are you going to be, are you going to submit and surrender and let me use you? And he went up to the mountain. And there was a burning bush. And he made him take off his shoes because it was holy ground and all kinds of stuff. And then, like, he, he, he changed the world because now we got Ten Commandments to follow. And there's no law against them. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, that's Moses, right? One man. He wasn't perfect. So, so while I teach, you start, you start, you start uh, talking to God, use me, use me, you know, change, to change my world or this world, you know? Hallelujah. Who else did I say? Moses, Peter? Who, 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 come on up, you raise your hands. Who... Just pick that one one name and tell me, elaborate a little bit. Gideon was the least of the tribes of Israel, of the least of his clan, of the least of his family, of the least of his brothers. He was the, the least likely to be used by God as a mighty hero, and that's what God called him when he was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. 
from the Raiders. And so it's like, if we feel like pathetic or I'm inadequate, there's no way I could do that. God went to literally the bottom. And he said, I call you mighty hero. I call you valiant one. The Lord is with you. And Gideon needed confirmation. He, he was, you know, he needed confirmation. They hadn't heard from God in a, long, in a long time. But God proved himself to him and showed himself strong on his behalf. And as long as he served the Lord, he, you know, as long as he was faithful to the Lord, he was blessed and he, was, he had victory. And yeah, so he used one man to redeem Israel from the, from the Midian raiders. So The least likely man who used them. To destroy the hundreds. He was, he was afraid. Yet he became Gideon. He used Gideon. Hallelujah. Who else did I say? Peter, Paul, Mary? Who? Okay, well, come on. You know. Hey, see, this is a class. You know, this is, a, I'm a teacher. You know? So, <clears throat> so uh, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was out there. Basically, in, in my terms, he was out there in them streets persecuting anybody that believed in Jesus, anybody that talked about Jesus. He was out there persecuting him. Well, on his road to Damascus, Jesus met him and blinded him for three days. And after he opened up and took the wool off of Paul's eyes, what did Paul do? Paul went back to those streets that he was out there persecuting Jesus proclaiming his name, pro teaching the people about Jesus. And he used Paul to gain so many people to come to Christ and to believe in him. And I mean, if you just take a second to, to think about what he was actually doing, I mean, he was murdering and persecuting Christians. Like, I mean, he was out there acting bad. You could just imagine like the beatings and the putting them in jail and just stuff like that, like, and he took this man and complete and changed his name. He, what went from Saul to Paul, like, like that in three days? Oh. Hallelujah! Use one person, Mary, David. You can tell me what Mary. Come on. See now. Y'all go with a different, when you leave here, you'll, you learn some things, you know. It's, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Hey, the Marys have always fascinated me. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and also Mary the Magdalene, you know, because I really related to her. But meanwhile, uh, Mary, the mother, I'm going to talk about her. She was just like a, another unknown you know, and then the Lord uh, sent an angel to her and said, Bless are you among women, Mary. You're going to have a baby. And it's going to be from God. And the, she was like, What? <laughs> I mean, this was not an easy thing. She was just a teenage girl engaged to this nice guy and all of a sudden, she was pregnant. He wanted to get rid of her. And then an angel came to him and said, no, don't do that. Well, what Mary said that really stuck with me, and it's something that I've stood on for a long time, is blessed is, blessed is she who believed that what God said to her would be fulfilled. You see, 
And then she had to go through all that. She had to go through having the baby, being riding on the donkey, nine months pregnant, and having anywhere to stay, and had the kid, and nobody wanted them. The family didn't want them. The innkeepers didn't want them. And, and then the angels showed up again. And, um, and the shepherds came, and the kings came, and then they had to run off to Egypt. I mean, this was not an easy thing, okay? But Mary was blessed, just like the angel said. Um, and she said, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. Hallelujah. One person committed to a goal is all that God needs. Hallelujah. This is a study of God's word. Are you learning something? Yes. I mean, we've only been here a few minutes and we already learned something, right? Hallelujah. And we have covered all those people at one time or another. So, you, you know, you already knew that who, they, who they were. So, so uh, this Bible study is about one person. Guess who that is? No, it's not Jesus. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> One person. You personalize it. This Bible study is for you. And to the success, the plan, the, the plan of God it has for you. Hmm. For you who believe. And act on the message of the Bible. You and God together can change your world. You can. You're living in a certain world, but you and God together, after you learn, can change the world you're living in. For that to happen, you must believe three things. That's when you brought a notebook and you start taking notes, okay? Three things. One, number one, that the Bible is more than just a book. Number two, that life has meaning. You're not like, so why am I living here? You know, everybody has a plan. He has a plan for each and every one of you. Number three, that your own life has a special purpose. Even if that purpose and the plan to achieve it are not yet clear to you. So a lot of people go to church for several years before they really find out what their purpose was. And they finally hit it. Man, now I know what it is. So let me tell you a story. I got saved in 1973 at Lakewood Church. And I, you know, I, I wanted to be successful. You know, I was, I was the worst of the worst, the nothing, very poor. But later, after I became successful, I, I got to research this. Like, this is why I put in this study together, because I found out why God rewarded me later, you know. And that's because I became close to John Osteen, and I became his armor bearer. And as his armor bearer, I didn't realize that soon after that, he was going to have a heart attack. 
and then he was going to have a bypass. And so the whole time that he, that he had a bypass, uh, I used to work at the hospital, you know. And so I, I was, went in the hospital all the time, and I used to go to his room and take care of him. And um, I, I got to the point where I comb his hair and help him get dressed. You know, for, for I don't know how long it was. You know, I think Dodie wrote it in a book one time, you know. I, even when Dodie had cancer and she was in the hospital, I, I was helping both of them, you know. God used me to help this man and woman of God, the powerful men and women of God. Dodie tells in one of her books, if you read them, I, I don't know which one, she says, uh, I remember at five in the morning asking God to send somebody, you know. And then I heard the elevator, ding, and it was Jesse Gallardo walking out. You know, I never thought about all that until later when I said, you know, why, why, did, why was I rewarded with, with you know, where I didn't do that much to get successful, you know? And, uh, and he said, all the stuff that you did, you see, God, God never leaves, a, you know, he pays you for all that you did for him. But you have to do that first. You know, a lot of people want the success first and then serve God, you know. See, a, lot of people, a lot of you are doing it right now. You're helping someone personal, you know, and, and, and you don't realize, but a year or two from now, the blessings start to pour out, and, and God don't, doesn't forget, you know. Oh. And see, and, and I didn't realize that at that, that time, that I, really, you know, that that was my purpose for being there. You know, I thought, you know, I was, you know, oh, man, I got saved, you know, got the Holy Ghost, I spoke in tongues. But, but really, my purpose was to help John Osteen. You know, even after he got out of surgery, Dodie got out of surgery, got healed, they both got healed. Then I still drove them around. I still went out to, you know, parked the car. I went, picked up the speakers with with uh, with him and said, you know, I, sometimes I sit on another table, you know, so I wouldn't be with them. But, I, but I, you know, sometimes I, I sit on the same table with my mouth shut and listening to everything that I was hearing, you know. And so the, God was, you know, doing all this to that one person because I obeyed his when I went there, you know. And I wanted to help, you know. Hmm. Uh, at that time, I really, I really think it was my purpose for being there, you know. And now, here, see, I mean, he's given us ministries, you know, and he's given us uh, a, an open door to teach other, uh, more so his children, you know. You know, success is a consequence, not an accident. Did you hear that? Success is a consequence, not an accident. It is a consequence of our timely actions. The reason we need to teach this is because we are living in a strange generation where people don't believe that their actions have consequences. We have to learn so we, so we can train our children. Some might think... Uh, it's old, uh, old-fashioned, but we have to get back to the wisdom and value of our past. Our past Christian leaders taught us this, you know. I mean, we name him sometimes, you know. We go back and, you know, Kenneth Hagin and, you know, all these men of God. 
yeah, we, we learn from them, you know. We got to not forget what we learned. The values that they taught us, you know. Brother Joseph sent, sent me some tapes on King, King Clement. It said that I like, man, I, I went out to eat with King Clement several times. So, you know, I'd be, I was exposed to a lot of that, so I can't forget that, you know. Hallelujah. Today, everybody say today. today. Our generation is raised on television. Did you hear that? As soon as they walk in from church, they turn the TV on. Or if they have nothing to do, they say, you want to watch the program? You want to watch a movie? No. I, I get asked that almost every day. You want to watch a movie? No. <laughs> so, and they reflect on the input of advertisements more than input from their parents. I mean, whatever the television advertises, they start talking about that. Instead of the parents saying, no, you need to do this. Well, the TV, but this advertisement said that that was not good, you know. This generation, like it's, it's, it's they like it, their problems solved by products. Instead of by changing their behavior. It's a lot of things, pick a pill. It's always looking for cures to diseases instead of avoiding things that cause diseases. I mean, that's practical teaching, you know? I mean, just, you know, if you drink this, they told me that you won't have this. You know? Instead of just don't drink what's causing that. You know? The world always denies that its actions cause reactions. Yeah. Are you all listening? Yes. This way of thinking is in the minds of 95% the population that you meet. The good news is, you want to hear the good news? That 95% of the people you meet will not be competing with you for success. Do you get it? Most of them don't have an idea how to succeed. Hmm. <laughs> because they will never seek after God's thoughts the way you will. That's why I'm saying this teaching is for you. Thinking the thoughts of God, not the thoughts of television or the thoughts of, you know, where you left off last time in the program or... Or, or, or always taking advice from the world. When somebody tells you something that's good for you, where did you hear that? Oh, so-and-so told me. Yeah. Let's read Psalms 1, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And he shall be planted. And no, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, say in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Those are the things you got to think. 
Think in God's thoughts. Confess that over and over to yourself. Hmm. The world will always try to solve all their problems by themselves. But let me tell you, God remains an active player in all things. This is an important uh, fact. We need to learn this. It will make the study of life simpler. The storms of life, I mean, not the study. It will make the storms of life simpler. Are you hearing? Simpler for you to go through them. Because there are always going to be storms in life. But the people that are not trained right fail and they don't make it through. But for you to make it through, you say, man, I've been through several storms, but I made it through because I got the word. God can and will use the physical things and events of our world to achieve his purposes. Now listen to this very close. He distills purpose out of chaos. So let me tell you what distills means, you know. Distill means to separate or to purify. To extract the essential elements of. So what did he say? He distills purpose out of chaos. We may think chaos is the enemy of God's uh, of God's uh, purpose, you know, but it's not. The fact is, all nature is structured on a platform of perfect chaos. In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, second verse, how many know? When you're going through chaos now, after today, you're going to learn, man, this is, God works through chaos to get me to where I'm going. In Genesis 1-2, in the Amplified, it says, The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. See, we, we find God organizing chaos to do his bidding. The earth was without form and void. It's how the Bible expresses this chaotic condition. But by the end of this second verse of Genesis, we see the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the planet. He didn't give up because he saw darkness upon the face of the earth. Oh, spooky, chaotic. What do I do now? Well, we go through chaotic in our lives. But once we learn this, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we know that we're going to go through it and we're gonna, he's going to use that to perfect us. Amplify, you know, after, the study, after this study, you will really understand the, the scripture in Romans 8, 28. We hear it all the time. All things work together for good to those that love God. All things. In the Amplified, Romans 8, 28, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together Fitting into a plan for good and for those who love 
Oh, hallelujah. And according to his purpose, if you love God, you don't have to worry because no matter what chaotic stuff you're going through, it's going to work together for good. Because he said so. That's how he works. He works through chaos. We hear it all the time, about, but, when we, but when the storms are here, we don't really understand. You start asking why. Why am I going through this? I'm going to church. I'm tithing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Why am I going through this? We need to understand. You know, we lose our, we, we lose our, our, our force during that chaotic time. But I hope after today, you will keep standing with joy no matter what. No matter what. No. Some example of chaos in, our, in the Bible is we see how God used this for good. When we see that. We talk about Moses. Moses was put in a basket and, 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 and was sent down the river. <laughs> That's chaotic, right? But then he comes out and, and Moses wrote the Ten Commandments. Think about it. You got to put yourself in. This, is, this study is about you. Joseph gets put in a, in a well to die by his brothers. That's chaotic. So God sends a caravan of traders by the well, gets Joseph out and sells him for slavery. And you know the rest of the story, right? Man, you're talking about chaotic, you know. There he's in a well to die, and then, they, then they, when the people that get him out, he become a slave. Yeah, Joseph is one of the men God used to change the world. Hmm. Once you personalize this, you go home tonight happy. Man, God, I know you're going to use me because I'm not giving up. All things are together for those that love you. I love you. I know no matter what I see right here, it's not going to be like that. God even used Jesus carrying the cross, listen to this, on his way to his execution. You could ask, how can God, his father, use this for good? That's chaotic, right? Well, a black North African just happened to be passing by when a Roman soldier ordered him to carry the cross the rest of the way. Years later, this black man becomes one of the first Christians, and he takes the gospel back to his own people. Right now, one of the strongest countries in the world for Christianity is Africa. God used that. All things work together for good to those that love God. He, he used that man to carry his cross, and then he, God never leaves anything unpaid. You don't say, well, God, I, mean, I did a lot of things for God. He never blessed me. No, he's not that kind of person. And that's why you should not be that kind of person. If somebody does something for you, you should repay them. You shouldn't take it for granted. And just say, thank you very much. Bye. Mm. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. What we call a change, a, a, a chance event is merely another 
chance for God to do something that he intended for a long time. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to get to that point, but he wants to use us. But all of a sudden, he's going to do what he planned to do all along. God can use anything to achieve his purposes, even our failures. So why not our successes? Many, many people wait until, until they fail. Then they pray for God to, re- to, to, to redeem their failure and make something worthy of what's left. Which in a way, they're asking for a miracle. But very few ask God to make something worthy of their best efforts. Before they fail. Before they even start. And, and hope for success in the first place. So after learning these principles, I started praying different. When, when, I, when, I, when I didn't see the money as a salesman, we always started selling pacemakers, I began to walk the halls of hospitals, doctor's offices, and prayed for God to bless my efforts and use them for success. And today, I'm still walking in doctor's offices and hospitals, but getting paid. I mean, they call me. They text me every day. Just, can you, can you come tomorrow at 9? Can you come here at 11? Can you, you know? But I, but I did it all with, before I had anything. I think one day somebody saw me and says, man, you must be really busy. You're always here. And, and I wasn't. I was just praying, you know, walking up and down the halls, you know. <laughs> then I learned that success is not really miracle territory. Think, listen. Miracles result from, from suspensions of natural laws. See? But success results from following natural laws which the Bible teaches us to do. So prayer for success, that acknowledges this. Failures often is the result of ignoring God. So, so when you fail, then you pray, but that was a result of you ignoring God. If you, didn't, if you don't done what God told you before, you wouldn't be in that condition. So God does not like to be ignored. Most people ignore God, and they think they're all successful doing all this and working hard. And then it fails. And then they go to pray. They come to church. Where you, well, my business is failing me, you know, and I'm losing all this. And, you know, but they, if they don't done it at the beginning, ask God to bless them with a business, that would never have failed. Hmm. If you look at James... In, in the book of James 4, uh, 15, but let me, let, let, let me back up to verse 13 uh, in the Amplified. You could put it up there, I guess, uh, book of James, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will be, uh, let's see, no, you don't have it up there yet? Okay. My writing is ugly, you know, so... <laughs> Oh, 
I, I write so fast sometimes, it's, you know, the letters change as you write real fast. Yeah. So, so see, come now. Nobody has amplified verse 13 up there? No Bible? Hmm. Oh, I guess Pastor Sandy's not here. <laughs> come now, you who say today or tomorrow will, will go in, into such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make money. Then verse 14, yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is in the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into the air. So James 15, he writes, you ought to instead to say, now this is important, this is where you write your notes, you ought to instead to say, in the Lord, if, if the Lord is willing, we shall live and we shall do this and do, and do uh, this or that thing. So a lot of people have been trained not to say the Lord's willing because they, you know, they, we use it in different terms, but he's telling us right here that you should pray like that, you know. If, if the Lord's willing, then, then, that's, then, then I will go to another city or wherever he was going and work for a year, but only if God is willing to let me go. We will live and do this or do that. So was he speaking of a of a bus, uh, of a businessman who who expressed an intention to go abroad for a year, trading and making money? He berates them for not including God in their plans. Hmm. For success, so he's not happy for somebody to just speak like that. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. It's not that that it's not that the that the men were intending to do wrong. They just neglected to ask, to acknowledge God and His purposes in their plans. Remember, I said when my money wasn't coming, I decided to walk the halls of hospitals and doctors' offices and pray. I wasn't just walking the halls; I was talking to Jesus the whole time, you know, and asking Him to bless, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. God does not want you to tap on the, uh, on the end of every prayer if the Lord's willing. Okay? Because we should know what he's willing on by we study the word. But in this case, he says, ask God if he's willing for me to go overseas for a year. Where else are you going to go overseas for a year and come back broke? <laughs> God is not... Uh, you know, dull like that, you know, where he wants you to tap into words like that. James' purpose to keep us, uh, you know, he's telling us God, God is at work in this world. Can you say amen? amen. Deuteronomy 8.18 8, says, it is, a, it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to become rich. 
It didn't say that you have the power to become rich, that you know everything. No, it says it is God who gives you the power to become rich. So if it's God, then we should acknowledge him before we start. We need to acknowledge God on our plans just in case he wants to tap us for some small job in route to that goal. We need to be flexible enough to, to slow down and cooperate. <laughs> Hallelujah. We may, we may look back years later and see where the small things that we did or those people that, that he threw in front of us on our past, how, how now they prosper and they're successful because of us. I'm calling this study success, but the Bible says it better. When we say success, the Bible says prosper. So in many ways, prosper is the better word. Now, dissect this word prosper. Let's dissect it. P-R-O equals four. S-P-E-R equals hope. For hope. Prosper for hope. Are you here? So this, this uh, the original, the, the, uh, so the original meaning, according to the, to, uh, to your, to your hope, to your hopes, it's according to your hopes. To prosper means to get what you hope for. We hear that too by faith. Evidence of things not seen, but things hoped for. To prosper is to get what you hope for. Not a bad definition of success, is it? We need high hopes. For what we hope for, we pray and work. Pray and work. <laughs> As well. So not just pray, work. The ancient path to success or getting a lot or getting what you hope for still works today. So here's number one. Set a measurable goal. Number two, hold a clear vision of that goal. Number three, form a plan to reach that goal. Number four, follow your plan to reach the goal. Did I skip three? Start again? <laughs> Set a measurable goal. Yeah. Number two, hold a clear vision of that goal. Number three, form a plan to reach that goal. Number four, follow... Your plan to reach the goal. At this point, it's all mental. It's thoughts. Start exercising for thoughts. Now we start, and at this point, here we start bumping into people, and, and there's a rub. 
They have rights as many as uh, they have rights as 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 we have. Whatever we do to get what we hope for must not hurt others. There's an oath that doctors take. It's called the oath of hypocrites. The primary law of success is first, do no harm. Those who don't mind injuring others as personal gain sometimes excuse it by saying, you can't make omelets without breaking eggs. That's cruel. They are cruel players. Success is not an omelet. Oh, you hear me? It can be gained without harming others or injuring their rights. The Bible teaches all this. So, like, this is a foundation only for the rest of the study on success, the Bible way. So, I'm just setting a foundation. Are you getting it? Anybody getting it? Somebody getting it? Okay, one person. All right. That's good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So as I was walking uh, out of Kingwood Hospital, God gave me a, a, a revelation, or maybe uh, you could say God uh, was talking to me. So I walk in and out of hospitals all the time, you know, so, and, and I'm always talking to God in the spirit and, you know, and he talks to me sometimes. So you will learn as, as we cover this, the story of our, of our ancestors, uh, our real ancestors. Who is our real ancestors? The Old Testament. <laughs> you read the Old Testament. Those are your real ancestors. <laughs> Hallelujah. And rebuild uh, his flocks and, and future, you know, I mean, that fortune. God will bless our efforts. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. I don't have it here, so put it up there because I, I just wrote it, the scripture. Uh, so neither who plants or any, or is anything nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and becomes greater. Hallelujah. See, God pays attention to how we earn and share our successes. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, everybody say for then, you shall make your ways prosperous, and then you shall have good success. See, you gotta, when you read that, you got to obey it. That's what I'm saying. If somebody just gets home from church and they want to turn the TV on, well, that's, that's not what he said, you know. So, so he said, he that meditates on his, on his word day and night. Sometimes we can do it like two hours during church, but we can't do it day and night. You know? I mean, before you go to bed, you know, have your Bible right there by the bedside. You know, read a couple of scriptures, meditate on them. Go to sleep thinking on those scriptures you just read. And, and, and in the morning, do it again. You know? I mean, turn your whole life around. You have to get serious, and you do it in obedience to God. And you say it, God, 
I'm doing this right now because you said that this book of the law should not depart from my eyes. And so I'm, it, I'm forcing myself right now. And you know I am. But all of a sudden, you're going to release the, the wealth coming out of my, my spirit. And every time I think, I think of you. And every time I talk, I talk of you. Have you noticed that when, you, when you're into programs or sports and all that, that's all you talk about? So if you're in the Word of God, that's all you're going to talk about. And then you shall have good success. When? After you do that. See, See a lot of people complain because my business didn't do well. well. Were you in the Word day and night? Oh, no. That's, he said, he promised if you are, that then you shall have a good success. The God of the Bible is a deal-making, you know? It's like a contract waiting. Everything, you know? He made a deal with you, a contract honoring God. At, that, at, at different times in history, he sought out certain persons and offered them a contract to be their God if they would be his people. So any deal that we have with him today comes through them. What? Through the contract. Well, who's them? Our ancestors. You know, we bought into their contract. He didn't set a contract with us. He set a contract with the Old Testament saints. A covenant, you know, a testament. You could call it a contract. is a covenant or a testament. So he wrote a covenant back then, and that covenant is still ours. That's what covers us. Can you understand? I mean, that's a lot to understand. But once you understand, you said, well, yeah, I'm following the covenant. So I got to read Genesis. You know, I got to read Exodus. I got to read all the Old Testament and then find out the covenant that he gave when he promised this forever. He didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't make a new covenant for the New Testament. Can you understand? Abraham was one of the first. Jacob was another. David also. He made a conditional contract or a covenant or a testament. It was written in lawyer language. If you will do so and so, I will do such and such. That's what God said. Just like you go to a lawyer and he sets out a contract for you. Well, Jesus said, God set that contract, the covenant with, with Moses and with David and him. Said, you do this and I'll do that. And it goes on and on for all his ancestors. We are the ancestors. At Sinai, where Moses uh, came down from the mountain with God's law in his hand, the whole nation of Israel, just out of e e Egyptian slavery, they had just come out voice its, its pledge to accept God's contract. It was an offer that they could not refuse. See? But he didn't say, after, Mo, after Moses, then we go back to the old place. No, he, Moses came down from the mountain with a covenant for us. And it goes on and on till the end of time. Hallelujah. And it was an offer he couldn't refuse. Because without this contract, for God's help, they were merely another wandering tribe. Are you with me? If he hadn't got that contract from God, they would have just been like another wandering tribe. 
It would have been the Israelites, the ones that started the law, and, and, and Jesus came out of, the, out of that blood, you know. With no fixed housing, with no, and with no assured of existence, but with a covenant, they were, <laughs> they were assured of a land and a law, a place to live and a way to live. God would do his promises part if they did theirs. He'll do his part if they did theirs. Then they would enjoy good success. Man, before I go any farther, let me, let me talk about Job. Job had patience. And God rewards patience. God gave Job and entrepreneurs the most valuable gift of an entrepreneur is time. Time to exercise his will, practice patience. As an investor and businessman, not as a, uh, not as a mourner or a sufferer or an object of pity. No, he exercised patience for a few weeks, maybe months, but God gave him 140 years. Imagine. Bonus lifestyle. For what? To add more to his success. Some men would have squandered God's gift of years on self-pity, fear of the future. What if I lose what if I lose all this? What if I lose again? Not Job. He uses he, he uses bonus to increase the profit on his on 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 his uh Investments and God invested in him. What God shared, Hallelujah. What God showed me in this oldest uh, in this oldest piece of of the Bible is that God shows Himself a friend, a friend, investor, and champion of persistent person who maximizes his God given gifts to earn success in two realms. At work and at home. So we see here that God is clearly not against success. He, he took the trouble to let us see how one God-fearing, full-of-faith man survived loss, failure, earned his success all over again. Then he took that story and built, huh, hallelujah. The Holy Bible. He built it all on that. Around it. Did you learn something? What did we learn today? Number one, the Bible is the world's, is this world's oldest success book. Do you want to become successful? Get in the Word. Day, night, get in the Word. Number two, God pays attention to how we earn and, and share our success. Did you hear me? Not only earned it, but share it. The chair is quiet. <laughs> hmm. See, suffering is part of our human lot, but not our whole reason for being. Mm-mm. Job's success came from his own efforts, 
with God's blessing. God doesn't rejoice if you fail. He will help you. Try again if you want to succeed. Don't quit. Get up. Get up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Was it boring tonight or did you learn something? Somebody learned something? All right. You know, I'm going to call you if you raise your hand. You know. But before we get to that, we need, I, I feel like praying. But what happened to my patient that I was going to pray for? He, he came. Uh, he had to leave? Yeah, he wanted prayer, but I told him to wait till the end. I would pray for him. Who knows Craig Medrano? Somebody invited him. Said we're in the third row. He's bringing you here. Craig Medrano. He said, I said, who invited you? He said, brand new. He said, somebody, like, he's sitting on a third row somewhere over here. No? She left too? Oh. But tell, maybe ask her if she did and have him come back Sunday because he needs prayer. All right. So who got something today? Well, come, yeah, well, come on here. You, you raise your hand two times, so. <laughs> I always like, it's a student. What students learn. Uh, so, I mean, the first part, a successful person is someone who survives hard times and builds again. Um, and how God can use just one person. He's just looking for one person who's willing to trust him and surrender everything to him and and he will use that. Success is a consequence of our timely actions. It's not an accident. That was good. Um, that God distills or purifies, separates purpose out of chaos. Uh, I know that at first I was like, ah, and, but it is when we see a mess we can make, a mess of our life or, you know, stumbling into sin or things like that we got into and thinking, how can he redeem this? And he does. He purifies. He cleanses. He, he turns all things for the good if you surrender it to him. Obviously, you have to be like the prodigal son who's like in the slop of mud with the pigs and he came to his senses and went back to his father. And then the father can make something of it. But you have to come to your senses and go back to the father for him, for him to purify purpose out of that chaos um all things working together for our, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose nothing is just an accident or a chance or anything it's an opportunity for God to do his will his plan his purpose um what else hang on let me see that prosper was for hope. That's good. It's, it's according to your hopes. And again, that's something like when they say, well, what do you want? And if you're in a place where, I mean, I know I was in a place where I didn't want anything. I was kind of like, I'm just long for the ride, God. <laughs> like you, you tell me. But then it kept getting driven where Pastor Sanders said, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. Okay, let me go pray and find out. <laughs> But then it's like, then God cultivates the desires he wants for you to have 
in you. And then he gives you those desires of your heart that are in you. Um, so that for, prosper, for hope, like uh, get your hopes up and, you know, raise your, raise your eyes, like get your eyes fixed on Jesus and know uh, he wants, he has a good plan for you, a plan to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Um, let's see, what was the other? There's one more good thing. I mean, there was a lot of good things, but the contract, uh, a covenant, it's not, it's not, Jesus isn't a genie, and, and that's not what we believe. He's not just a genie where you just get your three wishes and you go on your way. No, it's a covenant. It's a marriage. It's, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's a covenant, and if you do your part, he'll do his part, and it's, yes, if we're unfaithful, he is still faithful, but if you're faithful and he's faithful, that's, that's where the blessing is. The blessing comes from the obedience. And um, even through, through the life of Job, seeing he never, he never lost his integrity. He never cursed God. He, never, he didn't stay in that place of despair or depression or like, why should I even try again? And that fact that God it gave him double at the end of it all. And abundant blessing above it all was like, it's worth trying again. It's worth, go ahead, like get up. That was really good. It was very encouraging. Try again and don't, don't just stay, you know, down. Get up. I think there's, I think that's in Isaiah or something. Like, um, arise, right? For the, for the glory has risen upon you. Yeah, that one. I don't know the reference for it. 60, Isaiah 60, that, that's one, like, arise, get up, you don't have to stay there anymore, like, the glory is risen upon you, get up and, and walk into it, so that was, that was good. Hallelujah, well, somebody learned something, so I'm going to call Mara to uh, do the altar call and then uh, close it up for me. to God. Thank you, Jesus. But we do not want to close the, the service without giving you an opportunity to, uh, if you have not met the Lord as your uh, personal Savior, we want to give you an opportunity for that. And if you need prayer, it's so quiet in here. If you need prayer, uh, you can come in. And the Bible says when two or more gather in his name, he is in the midst. Glory be to God. So if you, we're going to give you an opportunity with this next uh, worship to, if you need any prayer, you can come up. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus.